Pushing Rubber, episode 72, coming to you loud and proud from wintry Holland. This is Adam Piggott, your host with the mostest, of course. Sorry, there's been a break of a week. Um, but I, of course, went off skiing in Italy with the good wife. And a very, a very good time was had uh, by us. It was a... Uh, it was a lovely trip. It's um, it was almost a, a triumphant return, really, in a sense that uh, this time, like exactly a year ago, we we did a skiing trip to Italy. But that time, we we uh, went there from Australia, and we weren't we weren't happy with what was with our lives in Australia. We weren't happy with Australia in general, um, and it was on that trip that we decided we need to do something about it. And we decided we'd move back to Europe and I'd moved to Holland for the first time. And uh, so this trip was good. This trip was different in a few reasons. We didn't fly. We drove. Um, took us 12 hours to drive from Holland across Germany through Austria, Innsbruck, Bremer Pass, and then up uh, into Trentino there where we skied. By the way, fantastic snow this year. Um, Italy was great, but driving back through Austria, uh, we got out. <clears throat> we got out with about a six-hour window. It had it had snowed really heavily. <coughs> Excuse me. It had snowed really heavily on the Friday night on the uh, Austrian side of the Alps. Because if, if those of you who don't know the weather patterns, what happens is the the Alps are basically a blocker for weather systems from the Atlantic. So. The weather systems will come off the Atlantic and, you know, through England and France and Holland and they'll hit the Alps and then they'll dump everything there. And then so the, the precipitation stops on that side and the only thing that goes over the Alps then is the wind, which is known as the Fon uh, in Italy and Austria. Um, so a, a big weather-bearing system from the Atlantic won't put any snow, uh, normally won't put any snow on the Italian side of the Alps. For the Italian side to get snow, then they're looking at Mediterranean systems and systems that come in through the Balkans from Russia uh, in general. Or sometimes uh, ones that come through the south of France from the Atlantic and then kind of swing upwards, do a little bit of a bit of a hook around like that. So the snow in Italy was great, but coming back through Austria, like I said, we had a six-hour window. Uh, it had been snowing heavily on fr in Friday night. And we went, uh, when we got to Innsbruck, instead of going, chucking a right and going through... Uh, Monaco, uh, we decided to avoid that route because the, the roadworks around Monaco are just a disaster. We lost about two hours driving that way when we went to Italy. Uh, so we hooked a left and then went through some mountain passes through uh, Austria. And oh my God, like I said, it had been snowing heavily up to a few hours before we, we went. It was this early Saturday morning. We left about 5 a.m. Uh, and I can't, the roads were fine, but I can't recall seeing so much snow. You know, you know, when trees, trees are so laden with snow that it's, 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 the trees are gone almost. It was, it was quite incredible. Uh, and then apparently, well, we got through Austria, through the mountains, we got down onto the plain or into the rolling hills in Germany, and then it just started pissing with rain and it rained the whole way back. Uh, and snowed on us quite a lot in Germany too, in some of the higher areas, quite heavy snow, but a bit of a hell, hell trip, to be honest with you. Um, 12 hours driving in that. Um, and of course, that system was going to hit Austria again, and apparently some of the some of the resorts in Austria are still are closed. 
because they've just been absolutely bombarded. So look, if you're if you're um, if you're thinking of doing a skiing holiday, last minute skiing holiday this winter in Europe, hit Austria. Yes, France got and Switzerland probably got the same amount of snow, and Italy's got some more as well. It's really good, but um, France and Switzerland are just far too expensive. Your places to go skiing there are Italy and Austria every time. Um, so yeah, do a last minute one. Just book it. Go on, jump on a plane, get a cheap hotel, and have have some fantastic skiing. And Austria is stunning, really, really stunningly beautiful part of the Alps. Really lovely. If uh, if there's no way that you could possibly afford them in a million years to be able to do that, well then you need to look at re-examine your uh, your financial situation, don't you? You need to be able to do these things at the drop of a hat. That's that's what freedom is all about. Um, so many people, because we were talking about this when I was in Italy, talking about it with a mate in Verona, went down to see him, had a bit of a night in the town together, good mate, and uh, and we we're talking about Porsche poverty. So Porsche poverty, uh, young guys, uh, and even like guys in their 20s, 30s, but even maybe even older, who funnel every scrap of money that they have into a Porsche, and the clothes they wear, um, so they give the appearance out in the town of being abs, you know, being loaded, but in a- actual reality, that's it. That's all they've got, and and they're just barely trying to keep their head above water to keep the Porsche going. Porsche poverty. It's like that article I did a couple of years ago, eighteen months ago, under the, uh, um, I, th- I can't remember the number. Whether it was sixty percent of American middle middle upper middle class households can't afford a $400 emergency because they're just, they're just hocked out to the eyeballs, you know, Mac mansions and all the rest of it. Uh, so, you know, if you l- listen to this, it's just like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Ads is right. Week in Italy, week in Austria. Skiing's great. By the way, January's, January's the perfect time to go. This is the low season. Like, what is it? I'm, I'm recording this on the 23rd. <coughs> You're going to hear it on the 24th, you just jump on a plane, get another week, get over there. This is it. February starts to be when, you know, it starts to get a bit busier. Um, so, you know, you need to rearrange your life if you can't do that. Remember, it's, uh, it's about your freedom. You've got to act, do stuff. Um, so, yeah, we had a good time. And like I said, we drove there. It was a bit of a... We did, we did the calculations, people. So let me... I'll write the calculations. If we were going to fly from Holland to Italy and end up in the same place we were, it took us just over 12 hours to drive. If we're going to fly, we'd have to leave home and drive to uh, the airport at Schiphol, Amsterdam Airport. You're looking at about... Uh, I'll just round it up. So about 45 minutes to do that. Okay, 45 minutes. That's it. Then you've got to be there, you've got to be there two hours before your flight, right? Two hours before your flight, so I'll add that two hours. Um, and you got your time for queuing and all that sort of thing, and then you've got to get through, you know, all the rigmarole, blah, 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 go to the gate, wait to get on your plane, blah, blah, blah. So even though you've got there, let's, let's just say I'm going to be really generous, and I say that's another hour fucking around when in reality the fucking around can be can be can be a lot longer than that um one and a half hour flight 
Now you land in Italy, you gotta wait to get off the plane, and sometimes that's just ridiculous length of time, like we're talking 20 minutes, 25 minutes, half an hour, something. So I think the longest I've ever had to wait to get off a plane was 45 minutes because the gate wasn't ready or some fucking shit. Uh, and then you've got to go through all the rigmarole and wait for your bags to get out. So let's just say another hour, even after you arrive, of fucking around. Now, you've flown into... We want to get up to Val di Sole, to Demaro in... Uh, in Trentino, you've either flown into Brescia, Bergamo, or Verona. Uh, you still have a two-hour drive in front of you. That's if you're driving. If you're taking public transport, I'm going to do this in a separate one. If you're taking public transport, well, then you've got to get a taxi from the airport. Let's say Verona, that would be easiest. You get a taxi from the airport to the train station. You're looking 20 minutes there. Well, then when you rock up, the train's not going to be ready to go. So let's say you have to wait 40 minutes to train. So we got 60. It's one hour. Then the train from uh, Verona to Trento takes an hour. It's another hour there. Then you get to Trento, you have to change trains. So you have to wait again. That's like at least 30 minutes. And by the way, this is, it'll be longer than this, man, because it just takes, it takes a long time, man. It takes a long time. Uh, and it's a 1.5 hour trip on the train up to the valley. So that's one, two, uh, two and a half, three and a half, four hours there. So let's add this up. Um, I made 45 minutes, I made it hard for myself. Let's round that down to 30 minutes so it's easier. So we're getting to the airport, let's just say 30 minutes. So two and a half, three and a half, Five, six, seven, eight hours. Eight hours if you fly into Verona and then you drive. That doesn't include, though, the time to fuck around getting a hire car. Um, but anyway. And if you, if you take public transport, then you're looking at 10 hours. And the drive time was just a tad over 12 hours. So that's now, if you drive, you've got two major advantages. Number one, you actually got three major advantages. Number one, you have a car when you're up there. And let me tell you, it was very nice to have a car. We're going to go to dinner, I'm go shoot up to the ski piss a bit earlier, a bit later. I'm going to get off a bit. Let's just on and on and on and on and on. Go catch up with people. We used the car a lot when we were there. We used it every day. Uh, number the second nice thing about it is it's connected with that is if you, you're in charge of your own destiny. I think that the thing that tires me out the most about traveling in planes is the waiting, where you've just got no control. You just have to sit and wait. So you get to the airport, line up to check in, line up. Wait, 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 wait. And, you, and you're, you're lining up and you're looking at the people in front of you and you're thinking, who's going to be a slow cunt? Who's just going to be a slow fuck in front? And you can just, you can pick them. You can pick them. You can pick the ones who are staring around like when they've got their mouths open like goldfish, you know, dumbfounded at what's going on around them. And, rah, 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 rah. and then you see the people who go up to the thing. All you need to do, people, is you've got some bags. 
yeah? And you've got you've got a ticket or you've got your passport. You don't even have to know, have that these days. Just say your, your name, yeah? Because it's all there on the computer. And you put your bag on the little scale and then they wrap the little thing around it and then they give you a boarding pass and tell you, why does that have to take longer than five minutes? Why is that? It never takes me longer than five minutes. And you see these people up there. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, just go. And you say, what are you doing? What are you doing? Every time. It's the waiting. And I could just, we could go on now through the whole thing, okay? So you've you've waited to check in. You've finally checked in. You got your boarding pass, right? We'll go through. Let's say you, <coughs> you don't have to clear customs because clearing customs, of course, because this is within Europe, so you don't have to clear customs. But, of course, clearing customs, yeah, what a nightmare. Uh, let's not let's not forget the the the, uh, the um, additional bonus of the strip search, yeah, or going through an X-ray machine to give you cancer of the fucking knob or something like that, um, cancer of the ball sack, um, turf out your bag, take off your shoes, take off your belt, take off your watch, you know, oh my god, the risk of being blown out of the sky by some you know Muhammad worshipping fuckwit, um, then. You've got through that now, and you have to make your way to the gate. Your gate is always the furthest one away. It's like it's like it's like you just walk and you walk. Why is every time I travel, I was just like, am I am I travelling to the sphincters of the world? Where's that person going? Ah, oh, he's going there. Well, well, we'll put that. We'll put that all the way down in gate one hundred and seventy three B. It won't even be one hundred and seventy three A. It'll be one hundred and seventy three B. Just to rub it in that little bit more. All the way down, you walk and you walk and you walk on those. What about you walk on those those speed escalator things? And people get to those speed escalator things and they stop walking. Hello, hello, the speed escalator where it's just like, not even escalator, the speed just, they're flat, right? They're flat. They're not there for fat people to take a breather from, you know, breathing. You're supposed to walk on them. And if you're not going to fucking walk on them, you stand to one side so we can walk past you while we give you dismissing glances of complete dismissal for something better word to say. Oh, my gosh, you get all the way there. Okay, now you've got to sit at your gate. You sit at your gate. You sit at your gate. You're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. It's the waiting. It's all, you get on the plane, you wait to take off. Is everyone on? Oh, I'm here, I'm waiting. Come on, I'm waiting. Yeah, you take off. Finally, you take off. We're flying. Oh, that's great. Now I've got to wait for them to give me something to drink. I have to wait. In the car, I didn't have to wait for someone to give me what to drink. If I wanted a drink, I'd say to the good wife, pass me a fucking drink. There we go. But all you do in this travel on the airplane thing is you have to wait until it suits them. And I tell you what, I tell you what, it's absolutely exhausting. Absolutely exhausting. You get to the other end. You got to wait. You got to circle. We got. We're, we're in a holding pattern because uh, you know we missed our uh, we missed our window of opportunity because someone farted on the plane. You know, so uh, put us back about twenty minutes. So now you know we're just going to fly around here in circles. How many of you done that before? You finally land. Everyone stands up. Waiting. Waiting. People. Waiting. We're just waiting here. We're waiting now. We're just waiting. We're waiting. You get off. You get off the plane. You get, and it's like ah, the worst thing is you get off the plane, and you're not walking from the door of the plane into one of the tubes. You're walking down the fucking ladder that they've stuck because you know that you're walking onto a bus. You're walking onto one of those 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 retarded airport buses 
driven by the most retarded people in the history of the world. And it's like, oh, my God. So you get on the bus. you got to wait for everyone to get on the bus now. You get on the bus. You go, yeah. And now the bus arrives. And then you get, but there's three buses, and you're the last bus. So now you, you go up to the gate where you can get off the bus, but you got to wait. They're not going to open the fucking doors. They're going to make you wait some more just to rub it in, you know. And you're, they're going to wait till the other ones get off. And you know all the other ones getting off. What are they going? <coughs> they're going to customs before you, aren't they? <sighs> and they're going to wait for your bags. Waiting, 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 waiting. What about those times the bags going around? It's just like, I think I don't understand is like some bags will come out really early. You've seen that these are the people on your flight and they get their bag and they're like gone. And it's like 20 minutes later, no other bags have come through. It's just like, what, did they randomly just pick some people who were, you know, blessed by God, blessed by Buddha? And I say, you're waiting for your bags. None of this with driving. The only, the only waiting you're going to be driving is if you get stuck in a traffic jam. And let me say, Germany has some of the worst roads I've seen in Europe. Oh my God, Germany, Germany. Yeah, you've got your autobahn and you can go theoretically as fast as you fucking well want, but it's pretty well useless when the road's so shit that going going faster than a, than a, than a you know, the centipede with all its legs in plaster is basically impossible. God almighty, Netherlands. The Netherlands has the best roads in Europe by far that I have seen. Coming, driving back and then getting into the Netherlands. It was like coming home, people. It was like coming home. That's what it felt like to me. Coming home. I, and I've left out, because I had a third thing, remember, about the advantages of driving over flying. You fill your fucking car up with shit. I fly these days. Oh, oh! You're weighing more than uh, more than uh, you know a down feather. <laughs> well, you have to pay for that, sunshine. Oh, you can't take that, sir. What about the, the you know? There's nothing sadder than the people in uh, the people in the airport who are ripping shit out of their bags and stuffing it into bins. <laughs> Pins that were designed to hold, you know, cigarette parts or something. And they're fucking stuffing it full of clothes that they can't take anymore. Clothes that they liked enough to choose to put into a suitcase. <laughs> clothes that you're not going anywhere with that stuff, sunshine, unless you're prepared to pay through the asshole for the privilege of doing it. We just filled the car up. Just filled the car up. And uh, by the way, on the way back, I really filled the car up. Because when we were over in Italy, I spent a half a day... <clears throat> going around to some wineries, which I have contact still after all these years of work I've done for them in the past, translating work and that sort of thing, and I filled the car up with wine. I think I bought back, fuck, how much wine did I think back? Over 60 bottles of wine. 60 bottles. I think the average price I paid was about 8 euros a bottle. Uh, it had cost, cost uh, slight more than that here in Holland, probably about 40% more. In Australia, it would be about 400% more, maybe 500% more. <coughs> so I really filled the car up with wine, just filled it up. Bang, thank you very much. Thank you very much. What about the cost, Adam? I hear you saying. What about the cost of driving as compared to flying? Well, we used to have these low-cost flights in um, in Europe, you know, Ryanair and EasyJet and... And, you know, your plane is about to fall out of the sky, Avia, and stuff like that. But uh, a month or so ago, I needed to go to Italy because I needed to sort out my uh, Dutch driving license. I'd given them my Italian one, and it theoretically should have been very, very simple for the changeover to be done. 
except for the fact that my Italian driver license had expired about a year before. So this was, of course, a, a cause of great bureaucratic angst here in Holland. In Italy, if you let your license expire, you have to redo the whole thing. You have to sit the test and everything, which, let me tell you, is a fucking nightmare as someone who's done it. And takes you at least at least six months, and that's in a very organised part of Italy like Trentino. Forget about it if you're talking somewhere like Napoli. Well, if you're talking like someone like Napoli, that's so corrupt, you just walk in and buy your fucking licence. You know, just give someone an iPhone, there's your licence, done. Uh, you think I'm joking, I'm not. Um, but um, uh, I needed to come to Italy because I needed to get a statement from the Trentino driving licence, whatever they are, bureaucratic government organisation thing, that yes, they had they had uh, issued me a license. Even though the licence is there, so it's obvious that they had issued me a licence. I mean, how would they have not issued me a licence if I didn't have this licence? But I suppose they're thinking that's a big fake a Rooney. If it's expired, it must be fake, right? Because... If I was gonna fight, if I was if I was gonna fake a license, honestly, if I was gonna fake a license, I'd make sure to give them to give me one that was expired, because you know that'd make my life easier, wouldn't it? Ah, oh, fuck's sake! So, because you don't have to get this, you don't have to give this certificate of authenticity if it's if it's not expired. So, what what? Ah, how does ah. anyway? So I wanted to go to Italy to be able to get this uh, this document, which I did get, but I looked up the flights and it was like there and back. I was talking like uh, 300 euros or something. That's just, uh, let's have a look now while I'm, because I, I know the site, Skyscanner, if you're ever looking for, for flights, Skyscanner is uh, the one you want to do. Uh, so let's have a look here. I've still got my search in, Amsterdam to Verona. Uh, let's do it departing in about a week because that's reasonable and returning we'll go returning oh, we're returning after a week there we go and let's search some flights here now I want direct flights only so I'm not going for like mega stops around the place now, so far we've got no direct flights and we're going to sort by well I can see it up here anyway um, there's no direct flights Amsterdam Verona they must have stopped it there's no direct flights so I'm going to have to revise this time. So the the best I can get is 299 euros. And that's like the best as in combination of price and speed. The cheapest is 230 euros. The average flight time is 6 hours and 30 minutes. Wow. The fastest is 445 euros with an average time of 3 hours and 15 minutes. Wow. 6 hours 30. So that adds that adds 5 hours to my trip. If, if a car's waiting for me at the other end, that's 13 hours. That's, that's, that's longer than if I drove. That's completely crazy, isn't it? 
Let's sort by fastest first. What's the absolute fastest? Like three hours. One stop. There's no direct flights anymore into Verona. Wow. And that fastest one is 445 euros. So it's like the cost of driving is far lower than that. What do we spend on fuel one way? I think around 100 euros. Hmm. Yeah. I've got this new car and they're very fuel efficient. About 100 euros. Maybe a bit more. Not much. So look, look, um, flying's just, flying's just, it seems like it's great. It seems like it's great. But uh, the other thing is it's more tiring. It's more tiring to fly. Even if the hours are shorter, which we're now looking at it and it's bloody well not. <coughs> but even if the hours are shorter, it's more tiring for the simple fact that you have to wait all the time, which means you're not in control of your own destiny. You're not able to do stuff. You're driving, you're in control of your own destiny. Yeah, okay, you have traffic jams here and there, but they've got the GPSs now. They route you around this stuff to the best of their ability. It was really funny when we got up to the, the Munich traffic jam and and so we, we got it. We said to the, the, the GPS was yelling at us, do you, do, you want it? Do, you want to, do you want to go where, you know, I'm saying, all right, fine, we'll go this new route. It's just like, it wasn't, and we were going through back roads, little sleepy German villages and blah, 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 and the fields, and blah, blah, blah. it wasn't just us, man. There must have been 60 cars doing the same thing. Everyone's following the same GPS track. <laughs> this is like, oh my God. Absolutely hilarious. So, you know, I mean, it knows. It knows the back roads to take. But look at that. Look at that. There's no, wow. Wow, no more direct flights from Amsterdam to Verona. That's. Uh, because I know you can get them to Venice, but Venice, well, Venice by car now, that's that's three and a half hours away from uh, um, Valdisolo, and by public transport, that's going to take you. That's going to take you a long time. That's going to take you six hours, I reckon. Wow, much worth it to drive the car. Much worth it to drive the car. So drive the car. Had a had a great trip, um, and yeah, just had a great trip. So ate some fantastic food. Uh, for those of you who are thinking of going up there, Madonna di Campiglio, they've redone up at Spinale, which is one of the refuge points where the the, the one of the direct cabins goes from the centre of the town up to Spinale. So I think Spinale is about two thousand two hundred metres, something like that. They had Cafe Fiat is up there, and they've re, they redid it this summer. And they've stuck in a little uh, five-star restaurant. And the view up there, it's, it's a big cafe. It's like this huge, and it's beautiful, you know, what they've done. But it's all like this big food hall sort of thing and an outside area where you can, you know, get chips and hot dogs and Italian style and doof doof music and everyone partying. And, and it's an amazing view of the Dolomites. Absolutely stunning. One of the best views in the Alps. It's literally falling away but in, in front of you, but then all across in front of you in this big arc. Uh, uh, the Dolomites there, the proper Dolomites. Um, but then they had the foresight to stick in this really small little restaurant, really exclusive. Uh, you ma absolutely have to book. I think it, if, if from memory serves, it's got about eight tables in it. And uh, the guy called Dante, 
Uh, we ate an absolutely fabulous meal there. Absolutely the best meal of the trip. It's this, and you were seated right at the window, this panoramic window with it all. And the snow was amazing. It's just oh, absolutely sensational. Really worth doing. Um, Italians, it was great to catch up with everyone. Saw a lot of friends, a lot of old friends. Got asked by a few people now that they discovered that I'm in Europe whether I want to come and raft this uh, this rafting season. So I just said, "How much are you going to pay me?" And I suspected that this was the case, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure. I wasn't a hundred percent sure, uh, but I suspected that this was the case. But the Rafting guides in Italy are being paid per trip the same money that I got 18 years ago in the year 2000 when I first rocked up to Italy to do a rafting season. They are getting the same money. Now, when people talk about, like I used to get, uh, I used to get, Back in Australia, people would complain about, you know, the GFC in 2008. And Australian wages just ex have just exploded in comparison. Like the average wage in Australia in Australian dollars is something around $80,000 per year. That's the average wage. Whereas the average wage in Italy uh, is under 10,000 euros a year. Just put a spin on it. Yeah. It's completely nuts. So Italy has had no growth for the entire, no economic growth for the entire 21st century. And we're almost one-fifth through it. That's scary, isn't it? Um, I was reading a, uh, a thing here from Daniel Mitchell. If you go to my blog and on the blog roll, there's Dan Mitchell on the side. He's... He's your economic, uh, one of your economic powerhouses that you should be checking out on a regular basis. He posts every day and, and his stuff is really good. Um, uh, but basically, they haven't had, Italy hasn't had any um, wage growth in 20 years. So their wages is the same that they were 20 years ago. Now, you read stuff like this, you read stuff like this, but it doesn't really compute. You know, you can read it, but it's it's academic until you go over and say, someone says to you, hey man, we'd really, really, really love to have you uh, come to a rafting season with us. And it's just like, oh yeah, how much are you gonna pay me? And it, that's when it hits home. That's when it hits home that you're, you're making, you'd be making the same money that you made almost two decades ago. Um, and I tell you what, if you want to buy a house, a holiday home, right now is the time to buy a holiday home in Italy. Not only, not only are the houses, um, their listing price, not only is their listing price fallen dramatically, but I know for a certifiable fact that if a house is listed for 500,000 euros, then 250,000 euros is gonna buy the house. 
that's that's how how crazy it is. We have friends who whose family had to sell a house, um, and they told me they told me what the asking price was. They told me what they got, and it was half. It was half, and I, I spoke to other people about this as well because. And uh, yeah, the good the good wife and I in the future we're considering buying a holiday a holiday home in in Italy. I tell you what, uh, you want a, a nice a nice apartment with a sunny view, little garden, um, beautiful mountain views. Within you know, within a ten minute drive of all the fantastic ski slopes and all the restaurants and everything. In euros, eighty thousand. Eighty thousand. I tell you, the other thing is, is that uh, Trentino is um, an autonomous region for tax purposes because traditionally it was extremely poor back in the day. Now the autonom- autonomous tax regime, which means the Trentino region gets to spend, sorry, gets to keep more of the taxes that it uh, generates than other regions, whereas other regions have to send much more to the central government in Rome. This means now that Trentino is actually far, far wealthier than surrounding areas. So I, I mentioned that I went down to Verona for a night and I caught up with some mates there. Uh, I drove down. When I drove down, I took the autostrada, but on the way back in the, early in the morning, <coughs> it was Wednesday morning, excuse me, and I left around 8 a.m. and, of course, I hit rush hour and I didn't feel like paying on the autostrada to sit in traffic jam. So I just decided to take the old highway up the um, Artage Valley, up into, from Veneto into Trentino, the two different regions. And cruising up the old SS, what is it, the SS22, I think, or 42, one of them anyway, State Highway. Um, it's uh, a grim, pretty grim picture. Verona itself was a grim picture. Verona itself is falling to pieces. The whole of Veneto is falling to pieces, and Veneto is one of the richer areas of Italy. But the infrastructure is falling to pieces. The roads are diabolical. The roads now are getting towards Africa. They're getting there. They're not there yet. And the way they drive on the roads definitely is not anywhere near it. Because in Africa, if it's if it's one lane in either direction, then it's four four columns of cars in either direction. So two lanes in, Af- in Africa will be eight, eight lanes because people will just be fucking making shit up all the time. Driving. In Africa, if there's a footpath or any example of a footpath, that's a lane to drive on. God's sake, don't walk on that. Uh, so where do you walk? <laughs> well, wherever you can. Through the through the sewerage shit, you know, sliding down the, the side of the, of the roads. Um, yeah, it's 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 just falling to pieces. It, it looks it looks like shit. Um, it's it's a diabolical mess. And traveling out of Verona and, and through the little countryside, there through like Valpolicella, like. That's where I drove. It's a little valley just outside Verona. It's part of Verona, really, uh, and a famous wine-producing area. You know, Valpolicella. That's the red wine. Valpolicella Classica, Superiora. You know, uh, it's a mix of some different grapes in it. Um, it's just. It's just. I went through some little villages around the state highway that just looked like the whole village had been abandoned, basically, dirty, covered in grime, revolting. Uh, abandoned um, pizzerias. I'm not. I'm not talking like a little, a little small little pizzeria shop. I'm talking like a, a pizzeria that had been built specifically on the side of the road. Maybe there's nothing else around it. So this massive pizzeria um, that you can tell by back in the day would have done huge numbers. 
abandoned, just shut up, nothing there. I saw several of these. I saw abandoned hotels. I saw abandoned shops. I saw abandoned service stations. People just walking away. Like, you know, they can't. They can't. The tax rate now in Italy is is completely diabolical. Uh, talking to some guys over there, um, it's just it's just so out of control. It's not funny. Which interestingly enough, Berlusconi. Uh, is talking about running. They're having a national election in um, in uh, Italy this year, and it's coming up actually pretty soon. Um, and Berlusconi's running again with his Forza Italia party with a um, uh, together with Northern League, which is basically the Northern League. For those of you who don't know. He's the part. He's the very, very far to the right uh, political party that wants to kick out all the foreigners. Which, uh, yeah, I think they should get in power, hopefully. But Berlusconi is p- proposing a flat twenty-three percent tax rate. Um, now, Daniel Mitchell says, as a matter of principle, that twenty-three percent is too high, but compared to Italy's current tax regime. 23% will be like a Mediterranean version of Hong Kong, if that actually comes in, like flat. Because you have to understand, the Italian tax rate, personal tax rate you're looking at is sitting now close to 80%, 80%. And that's that's not that's not different brackets. That's not like, oh, I'll only pay that if I earn huge amounts of money. No, 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 no. Oh, no, no, no. And if you open a small business, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. You are absolutely fucked. <clears throat> and they have all of these different little things in there that the purport that they apparently aren't taxed, but they are taxed. They call them different things like earpiff, earpiff, and imps, and stuff like that. What's the imps? Well, I N P S. It stands for something, but it's not a tax. But it's eighteen percent or whatever it was. So you have to pay it, but it's not a tax. It's imps. Well, as far as I'm concerned, if I have to pay it, if it is deducted from the money that I would have otherwise earned, you can call it. Very fucking godmother for all I'm concerned. I don't give a fuck, but it's a tax. 23% tax. I think it's the only thing. A, I don't think it'll happen in a million years, even if Berlusconi wins. It's just, it's just, there's no way. Italy's really fucked, man. It's really fucked. I thought it was fucked when I left. I knew it was fucked when I left. I thought it was fucked when I went back three years ago. I thought it was fucked when I went back last year. Wow, it's really fucked. Crossing from Veneto into Trentino, driving on the road, the state road, you pass a sign that says you're now leaving Veneto region. Be like, I'm now leaving Missouri. We're now entering World 7 next to Missouri. Blah, blah, blah. They don't need to have that sign there. They don't need to have that sign. All you need to do is look at the state of the road. Yeah, If you're driving on a crumbling piece of shithole, asphalt that suddenly turns into a a nice road that 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 works nicely you've left veneto and you're now in trentina hmm. austria's roads are very good germany's roads are diabolical holland's roads oh my god holland has, i've discovered this the other day holland has technology that the water like it was pissing with rain and snow the whole time I went back the german roads were that roads where where you just can't see on the road because the road throws up all the spray. 
You know what I mean? And sometimes you'd hit this nice bit of road where it'd all be like, oh, I can see again now. And then it'd be back to the shit for another 150 kilometres. You get on to, get, it was pissing with rain. We cross over the Dutch border. <sighs> Magic. They've got this technology here in the roads in Holland where the water drains through the road. Drains through the road. Apparently this isn't so hot when it gets really low temperatures and then the water freezes, it's drained through the road and cracks the road open. Eh. But I tell you what, the roads all look fantastic and it was a really fucking cold winter here last year that we were here. <coughs> Not too bad this year though. I was hoping it was going to be colder because they, then they have this ice skating race that they do here in Holland along the canals. Speaking of canals, speaking of rivers, speaking of ice skating, uh, as my regular listeners will know, for some months now, the good wife and I uh, have been searching for a house to purchase in Holland. It's been uh, an extremely frustrating journey, not with not least of all because we didn't know in what part of Holland. It's, it wasn't just looking for a house. It was looking like what part of Holland, in what area of Holland do we want to live? And uh, I'm pleased to say that this morning, our offer that we put on a house yesterday uh, has been accepted. And we're just going through the uh, legal formalities now. So, yeah, um, it's a cool little house. We didn't spend, wow, we went. We have, we spent less than half our budget. We really went cheap, but we found something really nice. We got very lucky, actually. We got very, very, very lucky indeed. Um, it's in the centre of a little town, just near where my, right next to the town where my wife is from, but a smaller one. Um, it's literally in the centre of the town. They have a, a Saturday market and outside our front door is the florist on the market every week. I can walk out the front door of this house, your butcher, your bakery, your supermarket, cafe, everything, right there. Bang. Um, old style house that's been redone as in the, the, the important bits like the roof and the foundations and stuff like that, always in the last 10 years. And then a long garden, narrow garden that goes down to the river. Uh, one of the big rivers in Holland. So we have a riverfront property for a very low price. We got lucky because uh, it's a complex. We just got lucky. We got lucky. Right place, right time. We were the only ones who looked at it. Only ones who looked at it. And yep, made an offer. They went yeah, a little bit higher. We went, sure. <laughs> Would have paid you a lot more than that. <laughs> <coughs> Nah, we wouldn't have. It's a good. I think it's the right price. We just got lucky. Uh, very, very happy with it. And uh, yeah, legal formalities all go through this week. We're having to wait though because the people who are in there, it's got renters in there, and they're waiting for their house to be finished to be built. Apparently, the roof went on, so first fix was done a couple of weeks ago. Um. And they are friends of the owner, and the owner is waiting to sell the house. Is basically doing them a favour while their house is being built. Um, so we're not going to get them out early. Um, so at this point, um, settlement is the thirty-first of May, which is a bit of time to wait. But that's that's a big buffer that they put in place. I think they should be out um, four, maybe even six weeks before that. So even maybe mid-April, we'll just see. Um, and then the good wife and I are going to do a bit of work on it. We're just going to, downstairs needs to be fixed up a bit uh, cosmetically. 
uh, we definitely need to put a new kitchen in because the one that's in there is about 30 years old and, and I like to cook. I want a kitchen. So we're going to do all that while we're still renting the place we're in now. So, yeah, we have a place. Um, pretty stoked about that. All my years of renting, uh, now we've finally bought something. Um, all of those years of went, renting wasn't rate wasted money, though. On, on the contrary, the, the years of renting saved me money. Uh, it enabled me to do my lifestyle of living all around the world. It enabled me to live in some really nice houses I would have never been able to afford to purchase. Um, so uh, quite happy with that. But now the cost of renting in the place we are now in Holland is higher than the cost of purchasing a home. So we're, by moving into this place, we're, we're automatically going to be saving money on a monthly basis because the difference... The difference in the mortgage and our rent is about is close to is around twenty five percent. We're saving twenty five percent a month on what we're paying in rent just by buying this house. Um, and the house that we're renting is not that much nicer than it. In fact, it's not nicer that this house that we bought is nicer by far than the place that we're renting now. So, yeah, very, 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 very happy about that. Um, now. There was something that I had up here. Oh, here, querying. Yeah, there we go. Just hang on a sec. Um, I was going to talk about... I mean, it's, I've, I've gone 44 minutes into this podcast. 45 minutes into this podcast. I, I think I think that's... Yeah, it's the, uh, the Italian podcast, uh, the Italian holiday podcast. Um, oh, look, there's... Th- Stuff happened while I was away for a week. I didn't take internet with me. Um, well, I, I did have it, but I just basically refused to look at it. All I did was check my emails every morning. Um, and, uh, yeah, so a bunch of stuff happened on the internet. Um, but then again, nothing much happened, if you know what I mean. Um, so I uh, sold a few books, actually, which was nice. Nice. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes there's a spike. I don't know why. I don't do any advertising or anything. Got some work done on my third book while I was away, which is good. And I've been hitting that since I got back, which is nice as well. So um, I'll have I'll have some updates on that next couple of weeks, and when I think um, I'm going to get it out. But it's um, it's it's proving interesting and tricky to write at the same time it's interesting because what i'm writing and the, and the subject of course is how to be a man in a feminized world the problem is that the subject is evolving almost on a weekly basis because the left are getting so hysterical just just look at the me too movement you know now i'm not referring to any specific events like that in my book i'm just looking at it in a generalized format but I'm having to reconsider some of my generalized <laughs> uh, chapters based on how extreme the left is getting. And I just, it's its taken for a fact that they're going to get more and more extreme as they become more desperate and attuned to the fact that their time is over. Not only had they not won, but now the tide is definitely turning against them. I really feel that. Um, so I'm just, I write something, blah, 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 and a few weeks later, a month later, I look at it and it's just like, mm, made some assumptions there that, 
I just got to broaden it out a bit better. So some things I have to I have to broaden out more, and some things I have to define more carefully, just because of of how volatile this subject, uh, masculinity, being a man in a feminized world, is um, at the moment. There's also, of course, the fact that if the left do totally lose and it flips on its head, well, then what I'm writing is completely superfluous. But I suppose then in that case, it, it will be an interesting time capsule on, on what men had to put up with. And, I, I think it, and at the same time, I think that it's going to take young men especially uh, a very long time to get over um, the conditioning the feminist conditioning that they've had to grow up with and being put through the brainwashing that they've been put through. There's going to be some very angry young guys out there, and I don't blame them. I don't blame them at all. Um, so, yeah, I'll give you some more updates on that as uh, as I get closer to being happy with it. Cool. Um, if you like this podcast, press follow. I've had a bunch of people follow me lately. Um and you can also go to my website, Pushing Rubber Downhill, which is linked there, website and blog there, same sort of thing. Uh, and follow me there. You can buy my books, Pushing Rubber Downhill, A Journey to Manhood via White Water Adventures, which details how snotty-nosed young Adam, um, who didn't know shit from sugar, uh, made a real man out of himself by traveling around the world as a ra- white water rafting guide. Uh, and Run Guts Pull Cones, which is about a rafting season in the Italian Alps and how um, and I deal with the cross-cultural sensitivities of working with Italians. Um, you can buy those from oh, any online retailer and any, any bookshop if you want to get a, a dead tree copy, which is my preferred uh, idiom uh, to read books. Just go and order, order them and you can grab them and leave me a review on Amazon or Goodreads or wherever there's reviews if you... If you bought it already and you liked it, or if you didn't like it, I don't care. Just leave a one-star review. I don't mind. It's fine. All adds up. Um, and uh, sponsors, Aaron Clary, Captain Capitalism, at captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. Uh, he's still on the evil Google. Um, he is our, one of our other economics meisters. I might redesign my blog role and get, like, economic meisters to a separate thing because there's Cappy... There's Dan Mitchell, there's Steve Dan, uh, there's a few of them. Uh, I'll have to, have to do that. Catalexy Files, that's more economics related as well. Um, check out Cappy. He's written a bunch of books on economics for young guys. Uh, easy to read, well-written. Um, bachelor economic, Bachelor Pad Economics, classic one. Curse of the High IQ. Uh, he's got a podcast that he does twice weekly. I'm just about to listen to his now because he's just done one which sounded quite interesting. Um, if you have a look here. Um, episode 227 of the Clary Podcast. Kathy meets a retired cop at the Cigar Lounge. The importance of great human conversation. Uh, that just sounds like, you know, I wish I'd met a retired cop at a cigar lounge. That sounds like fun, doesn't it? Well, I just had a... I just had a week skiing in Italy, snowboarding. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, check out Cappy. Check out his podcast. Check out his books. Check out his arsehole consulting business where he will answer your questions for you. I've been away for a week. Let's see what videos he's got up. Uh, request buying property in Vegas and Trump's tax plan. Request never spend more than six grand on a car. Uh, re- request ex-girlfriend jealous of my success. Like it. Request, girlfriend wants to be my property. Wow. Uh, request, evaluate my financial plan. What to do after teaching in China. 
girlfriend in contact with ex-husband, work in Germany or the UK. Oh, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a hard one. Don't go to Germany for the roads. Uh, oh, he's got a Clary test on Milo, Milo Yiannopoulos and Ben Shapiro. Um, two people that I don't really have. Well, Ben Shapiro is a little cuck that could, and I'm not a Milo fan at all. Um, anyway, you can check out his videos, and if you want him to answer a question for you, uh, he will um, he will do so. So check out Cappy. Hey, that's my podcast for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, it's been fun ranting about um, Italians and roads and all the rest of it. Uh, don't you guys go changing. Have a good week, and I'll talk to you again in a week. Ciao.